Ortiz hits it deep in front of left center field. It's back, and it's very gone. A two-run walk-off home run for David Ortiz. And the Pierce. Clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Unreal. The Boston Power Hour. What's going on, everybody? My name is Caden Bodak, and I'm your host of Boston Power Hour. We have episode six coming at you. I'm joined, as always, by Jake Seymour. And we have a new guy on the podcast today, guest star, Kamezi. How you doing, man? What's going on? Where y'all at there, guys? Ah, Bruins guy here! Special guest for today at episode six. How y'all doing today, guys? Doing pretty good. Could be better. Yeah. Bruins freaking yeah. choked today. Celtics were awful last night, as always. Yeah, well, I got, we'll have more on that later, but I remember checking my phone. It was up. They are up 3 nothing. I was like, I got this one in the bag, and it just didn't. Couldn't have it. But uh, starting things off, we're going to start with... Uh, Alex Cora and the whole sign-stealing scandal that's going around the MLB just for all teams, pretty much. People are like, they all have wires in them, and I just want to get your guys' thoughts on that real quick. So, uh, Jake, what do you think? Uh, this whole scandal is just ridiculous. It's literally ruining the integrity of the game. And then, you know, you have guys like Matt Kellerman coming on and being like, oh, this is good for baseball. People are talking about baseball. No. You know, this is the one time where bad press isn't good press. Like, who wants to say, like, oh, yo, all of our guys, they're all cheating, but you guys are still watching us. No, baseball is, like, their, their viewership in the last, like, say, like, decade is just awful, and this cheating thing is not going to help it at all. And now they're saying with the buzzing on, uh, I think it was Altuve's jersey, yeah. and that video of him when he's, like, holding his thing, like, don't rip my jersey, like, that is so sketchy. And they, I don't and care they what anyone up, says. And they came up with the excuse, like, I think he said that, he didn't rip off his jersey, or he didn't want to get ripped off because his wife didn't want to see him shirtless or something. Yeah, it was like a, he was like it was like body shaming. He's like fell into that category. It's like yeah, I was too embarrassed to show my body. When it was like a couple months ago, he's like running around with his like abs out. It's like yeah, he has a six pack. Yeah, come with but, a better excuse. Kamez, you got anything to add, man? I don't know, guys. Like no matter where you look at it, pay, like. There's always going to be cheating in sports. They're just going to find other ways to do it. For instance, going to football real quick, Patriots were the ones that were made an example of a spy gate when everyone, it was just the fact that every single coach was filming outside the stadium within the limits, you know what I'm saying? Just the outside, just that much. But Pats have got made an example of. Now, Astros clearly had this thing going for them, and the trash can bullshit was just pathetic. Yeah. I mean, that 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 was absolutely pathetic. How they actually got to the World Series championships without them getting caught like that quicker? I actually think that is on the MLB more so than the Astros. But aside from that point, um, I actually think the Red Sox came out with a vicarious win on this one because they actually skipped out on paying the man and paying the fees of actually firing a staff member. Yeah. So the fact that they got able to get that mutually parted ways bullshit out of the way they're slick as hell but you know personally i'm glad they're just gonna i'm glad they've done something i just wish they would do some precedent already kind of like uh what that six game suspension that ezekiel elliott was looking at already got yeah so or like so you're saying like uh 
you know, 130 game suspension or something like that. Like, you know, yeah, just get it done like they did with Ezekiel Elliott and the Cowboys back then a while ago for that bullshit he was going through. Get yep. the worst punishment out now so that way they can set the precedent and that way they can make sure that the next time any of this happens, which let's be honest, is going to happen again. Yep. Just put the foot down on it. Just, and just put it down and just pound it. The ceiling too with the whole Alex, like Alex Cora situation with the Red Sox and his new manager. That Alex Cora, you're a clown. Like I'm sorry. Like how do you like you orchestrate this whole like little like cheating scandal thing, and then you you like come over to Boston. It's like and then you're told not to do it, and then so you don't do it, and you have a the horrible season. Like we sucked last year. And, you know I'm all here saying oh our bullpen sucks. We needed timely hitting. This this. And then it's like, oh, no, it's actually none of that. It's just our team actually just legitimately sucks, and we're not cheating, so that's why we're doing awful right now. It's embarrassing from, an, uh, like, from a Boston fan perspective. Yeah, he had, Especially well, since he became a global championship. Yeah. You know, does, um, does Mookie Betts' uh, MVP, was that actually him doing good, or is that him getting tips from the signs? Who knows now? Like and then said, the whole thing, too, with, like, the whole new manager stuff. I'm going to quote uh, the Spike King here. We need to bring the band back, bring back Veritech, uh, Ortiz, Pedro, all those guys, those guys know how to play baseball. They need to come back here. None of this, like, Alex Cora, John Farrell, Bobby Valentine. I don't even know who that guy is, the Valentine guy. That guy was crazy. Bring in those guys that actually know how to play baseball because now this new thing in the MLB where you can just – I could walk into the Red Sox clubhouse and say, hey, I'll be a manager for the team, and I get the job. Like, there's, like, no requirements now for managing, and you need to go back to the 2004 team, take from guys from that, and put them in the front office. Yeah, uh – so, Kamezi, you said about how it was, it's, you know, people are going to find new ways to cheat. And that's totally true. Like, we found, we saw back uh, about 20 years ago with the steroid, whole steroid era, era and stuff like that. Like, but how funny would this be is, you know, Jake, you were talking about how the viewer viewership of uh, MLB is down lately. But what are young people like? They like home runs. They like the long ball. What if we did, you know, legalized steroids, legalized stealing signs, and now you're having people, you know, just juice stuff out of their minds, piping balls out of the stadium. Like, just how how fun would that be? Because it's going to be too hard to police everything, you know. There's, everybody's going to find something else to, uh, you know, cheat the system with. But if we just legalize everything, you know, nothing can be stopped that way. There's no controversy about it. It might make for a better game. So, well, here's the thing about that. Like, if I may, Jake. Yeah, all good. They, they can definitely legalize everything. But then, like, I personally don't watch as much basketball as I should because I love the Celtics. But let me explain something. It used to be a physical game when I was growing up. I was born in 96. I don't know about y'all. But I still had a taste of the last bit of the physical era. So I saw how brutal it could get. Now, just like the NFL, just like NBA, it started to get less about the physicality and more about saving the players, which in on paper is a good thing. But now the NBA is turned to like a bunch of three-point shooters and it's a lot more points than like with technicality and skill, less more so physical. Physical players are starting to get rewarded less in the league. So I'd say, you know, it's not that it's a bad form, but if we were to legalize everything, the standards would be too high. And then by the time we find those technical players, more players that actually have done the done their basics from the ground up might not get the same chances. So it's a hard thing to balance. You know what I mean? It's a hard thing to balance. I think the other thing, too, with the whole steroid thing is that baseball is such a game where it's based off, like, 
like you start like every kid you know plays uh you know every like little boy he plays a, a little league and you know if those little league guys sees like you know like Mike Trout in the dugout or, you know, in the clubhouse and he's, like, you know, using steroids or whatever. I mean, that's just not a good look for the MLB in general. I mean, it's a bad drug. Like, you know, you can't be doing that. But I think what they need to do is they need to go back and look at the ball in a scientific matter and, like, say, like, how can we get this ball, the small ball, how can we get it so that when it's hit, it goes a lot farther? And that's – I think that will be something that will – eventually like push it up to that you know we have this new era where it's like you know all these different errors in the past let's get a new era going where it's like you know we juice the balls up don't juice the players you know make, make these balls so easy to hit home runs and big hits off them maybe experiment with like what if the players had metal bats instead of wooden bats yeah or what, know, if they stuff you can mess up with. what if they legalize yeah, so cork bats yeah i was about bats. to say cork bats could be another thing because that's what barry bonds sammy sosa and uh, McGuire, and we're all getting conned with. Don't get me wrong. I personally think there's still some great hitters, but at the same time, court bats, if you're going to outlaw them, you're going to outlaw them, you know? I mean, yeah. pretty soon it's going to lead to that, and then all of a sudden it's going to lead to tar or some kind of substances yeah. uh, uh, that are, instead of just trying to be snuck behind the neck on the, not to sound racist, but the darker players. I saw a, uh, a, a Central American pitcher, I think, on the Yankees a couple of years ago had tar on his neck, but and he was quite dark, uh, quite dark a gentleman. He thought he could get away with it behind the neck and use it for the ball. Yeah, and uh, I've seen that kind of stuff happen, you know. So it, it's it's like it's all a slippery slope. Yeah, I, I don't like I said, I I just think that it's just so hard to police everything because you know once you stop something, somebody's going to come up, come up with something new. You know, just nobody can win. And I think that's why the baseball is such a good point with it because no one's going to be able to, like, like if you take a baseball and do, like, whatever you want to do with the baseball to b- make it easier to hit. If you do whatever to that, no one can, like, like cheat on a baseball. But, like, if you legalize cork bats, there's going to be some other bat type that just comes out and just makes that obsolete and makes this one better. So there's always something with those, like, little, like, I guess, like, uh, jumping points, I guess, where you could, like, take it to the next level. And I don't think you could do that with the baseballs because it's just league standard. Like, those are all the baseballs. So, uh, moving on to our next topic, Jake, you're at the game, and uh, so the Celtics, they are on a three-game losing streak. Jake, you're at the most recent game when they played the Suns. Is this three-game losing streak a cause for concern? Um, I don't think it is, because I'll tell you why. So, Ken Milwaukee last night, he was out. Jalen Brown, he was out. Um, Milwaukee, he was out for the Milwaukee game, too. So, last night, Phoenix Suns, we were missing two of our best, two of the three best players, uh, but I am concerned with this. Jason Tatum, he was awful last night. 26 points. Eight points at the half, I believe. That's just disgusting. Um, but Marcus Smart, he stepped up amazing last night. He finished with 37 points, a decent amount of rebounds and assists. Um, but, hey, you know, it just proved, again, DeAndre Aiden, he ate up last night. The Celtics do not have a big man. He had, I think it was 26 and 15 in uh, the game, which is just absolutely insane. That's like some, like, Shaq numbers right there. And, you know, don't get me wrong, Aiden's good, but he ain't that good. Uh, he ate up on Cantor and tights. I think he out-rebounded them like 15 to 8 or something crazy like that. So I think the only concern I'm looking at is that the Celtics still need a big man presence in the paint. But other than that, we play we play the Lakers tomorrow. Kemba and Jalen will probably be back, so I think we'll be fine. Yeah, so here's why I don't think it's a cause for concern. Because you know, if you look at the games, yeah, it's a three-game losing streak. But they lost 116-103, to 128-123. to and 123 to 119. Like, it's not like they're getting blown out. And it's kind of still early in the season, still before the All-Star break. Teams go on hot streaks. Teams go on cold streaks. You know, it's just it's how sports is. And it's only three games. It's not like they're, you know, they're still the um, 
fourth best team in the East. It's not like they're out of it, so don't worry about it. I think it's they're gonna be fine. Kamesi, uh, you have anything to add? Tackle fall anyone? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, come on, look, 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 listen. I I told you I'm not an NBA expert, but listen to me. You got the tallest man in the game, and just from him playing those few minutes, he's not that clumsy. He's not that clumsy. If you could just zone him out with some defense, because he's already tall as hell. If you could just zone him out, maybe. And instead of just having him play a man-to-man coverage, if the Celtics might be able to come up with some sort of defense where Taco can zone inside the inside the paint, that would actually be pretty advantageous. Because like you said, Kane, we're only losing by a couple points. Just get Taco more experience, get more time. The fans love him. We're talking about like the MLB. How how much are they going to make it a crowd pleaser? You know, the, Taco's already making it great for the Celtics, and he yeah. barely even played like what a whole half. Yeah, like he's only just played, just like, bring 12. him in there. Yeah, he's only played like twelve minutes, and you know you can just lob it over the top. What is he like seven six? Something crazy. Yeah. you know exactly. He's your alley-oopy buddy that you pay for $500 and your little kid doesn't play him till Christmas uh, passes over and the winter falls uh, passes over. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, like, you mentioned how he's not that clumsy. Like, if you saw him when he played at uh, UCF in college, like, he was just so discombobulated. But now he's Yeah, but better. that's the past, brother. Listen, yeah. I've seen – I remember seeing a Euro player that was about the same height, if not similar to his height. He was an I'm talking Bobby Doll, worse than Bobby and Ken anorexic. Okay, the man was just bald. If you were to put me up with that son of a gun, I'd say surgically remove my pregnant for some meat on on those bones. Taco's actually decent in size. He's been gaining body weight little by little. I've I've noticed it every time I've seen him. I actually have been blessed. To see the man every time I switch the channel, I see him on the late, on the later minutes, and you know what? He's starting to get a little bit of body weight, even though he still needs that little much more. Trust me, when he gets a little bit better of a center of gravity with himself and is able to test himself with the NBA speeds, I bet you he could at least play half a quarter, if not a whole quarter, every, I want to say every two to four game rotation. That would be a start for me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Here's my know, problem with Taco. And when you're seven six, you know, it takes a while for the for your body to be like, oh, I got to put some here, I got to put some meat here. You know, it's gonna take him a bit, but for sure, I think this two way contract that he signed earlier in the year will definitely be a good start. And you know, even being in the G League with the co- whole coordination thing, he'll still get used to the speed. And you know, the speeds are still kind of the same as the NBA, and you know, he'll get used to it. And I could definitely see him as a starter next year. All right, so here's my problem. I'm going to halt the Taco Fall hype train real quick. So, so Taco Fall, yeah, okay, he's good. He's, you know, he's a long, lengthy guy. I think he's, like, what, 7'6", something like that. He, he's pretty tall. Uh, the whole, like, man. yeah, you know, the whole muscle thing, yeah, that'll come. But he would have got bodied by DeAndre last night. He's not the answer right now. Um, and the problem with Tua Taco is... I'm telling you, he doesn't have the weight. He doesn't. But uh, uh, Taco Fall last night... He wouldn't have helped us because he wouldn't have just gotten body. He probably would have been like a bit bigger Daniel Tice out there. We'll be being honest. But hey, look, the, the you biggest... already cutting him. The man barely even played. <laughs> hey, I said, I said last night during the like, if he played last night, not not for the rest of his career. He could be really good. But my point is, is that this guy does not have any experience with his body. Uh, I believe, like you know, he wasn't really looking to go to the NBA and then got you know signing. He's like, all right, I guess I'll go. But 
this guy doesn't have a lot of experience playing basketball. He needs to build that up some more and, you know, realize that, hey, I'm so lengthy and big that this is what I can do. This is what I can't do. So that's something that he needs to work on in the G League, and that's why he's not up here yet. My biggest thing with the Celtics team, though, is that we need that big man, whether that's going out and signing someone off the block or, you know, making a trade somewhere. I mean, I've looked at every possible center from, like, Andre Drummond to – you know, Steven Adams, you know, even power forwards like Blake Griffin. The math does not work out. The Celtics don't have any contracts. So the fact that people are saying, oh, go out and make a trade. Like, I'm sorry, that's not going to happen. Unless if it's a center that's on, like, a couple million dollar contract that's big and is doing decent, that's just not going to happen for the Celtics right now. The Celtics' biggest thing is just, you know, grooming those young players like Taco Fall, Tremont Waters, Carson Edwards, getting them ready so then we can slide them in the bench rotation and then sign some other key pieces later on in the season. But my biggest thing, like I'm saying, I want to stress this so much. We need a big man that's going to rebound and play defense. We we miss Al Horford. We really miss him. We don't have that guy like Al Horford anymore. And, you know, say what you want to say about him in Philly doing, like, awful. That's because, the you know, the Philly coach, he doesn't know what he's, what he's doing because the Celtics have out-coached Philly in every time they play him. Every time we play Philly, they're out-coached. Whether we lose or we win, they've been out-coached every time. And you have and you have uh, Joel Embiid, too, so it's kind of hard to – you know, you're not going to play uh, Al Horford over a guy, a guy like Joel Embiid's size. But, uh, Kamezi, you have something to add? No, it's not just that. I mean, I completely agree with Jake, but Al Horford's just old, man. It's old. He's not Tom Brady. It's old. Sorry, he's old. He's not Tom Brady where he can still pull out miracles at his position. He is Al Horford. He is a 2K generic center. That's what I'm just- saying, though. Back in Philly, though, when you look at him in Philly, they're trying to ask him to do, like, like uh, Atlanta Al Horford. When he was in Boston, it was like, okay, yeah, we know you can't play like that anymore. So we're going to adjust you to the game. He just sat in the post sometimes and maybe kicked out to the corner. That was pretty much it. He didn't move. And you tell me that he has that steep of a decline in one season? I don't know. I just think it's more of a coaching thing for Horford than it is as anything else. I mean, yes, does the age, like, help? No, of course it doesn't. And I'm not going to, like, say, like, oh, he's getting better, like, fine wildlife like LeBron and Tom Brady. But I'm also well, not going to say that that's his, like, worst – that's the worst thing that's happened to him. But, I mean, come on, man. I mean, you can only get, uh, like, so much, like, bad negativity from the coach in one sitting. Al can still have enough pull as an NBA veteran to do his own thing. But he respects the coach enough, I guess, maybe. I don't know. Like That's the thing with Al Horford, though, is that he's not going to use his veteran presence to say, hey, this is how it is. He's going to huddle the guys up together. He was kind. Of, he reminded me a lot of like a, a KG in some ways, just because not about how his, like, he's much trash talking on the court, but KG was always the guy to bring everyone together and get everyone on the same page. Like I've read countless accounts of KG at a Celtics practice, and he was yelling, hey, you got to be over here. You're up there, and he's getting everyone together. Al Horford was kind of like that. He knew everyone's position. He knew where everyone was supposed to go. And people respected him. But he's also the type of player that he's not going to disrespect the coach. And I think that's where, in Philly, this is where he's wrong. Because this coach, I'm sorry, he doesn't know how to coach Al Horford. He just tries to cater just to Embiid. He needs to go out to Horford and say, hey, when we drive in, kick it out to you. We know you can't sit in the post and, you know, run around like, you know, Embiid or Simmons can. You know, you know, you're not like that anymore. I completely agree, man. But there's a thing called an assistant coach or boot that motherfucker out there and then just get him the head coaching job regardless. So that way he can focus with Embiid and everyone else. Because I'll tell you what, you're right. Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, as Celtics fans, we know for a fact that they have too much talent that they're underutilizing over there. But that's beside the point. Al Al Horford's age is definitely a factor in this one. I'm sorry. He's already looking at father time because Celtics knew that and they gave him up to Philly. And he's already trying to just get his money because if he had that fire still, he would have overthrown the coach a little bit 
just on the edge, just to be a little bit of play call. Call an audible every once in a while. He would do that, and that way he would actually get some stuff. And that way, I would respect him more that way because that way the team, that way, that way, that way, the team would actually be scoring more. Yeah, I'm telling you. He's just a Ronaldinho now. He just he had his skill. He did his moments. Nowhere near as great as him, Ronaldinho, by the way. But yeah. he's got his stuff. He doesn't want to play anymore. He only cares about the check. And he's just trying to finish out decently in the years. That's it. So uh, moving on to our next topic here, uh, the Bruins. So they got off to an early start and scored three goals. And they lost the game 4-3. Uh, before the podcast started, Kamezi, you were going nuts. You know, we were both talking about it, how they just can't close out games. Uh, can you give us a little insight on what you think, you know, looking forward for this team? What do you got? We are one of the best teams in the NHL. But if I still had my hair before it all dissipated, I would rip every fucking root out right now. This is one of the most ridiculous things I am witnessing here. I say in the story. By the way, for those who follow Puckhead 617, if you don't, what the hell are you doing? Go follow him. Sorry I didn't cover today's game. I was a little preoccupied, unfortunately, with some personal business. Aside from that, guys, we have one of the best home performances ever. But just because we perform with some of the most extravagant games, like deficits ever, onto the other team, does not mean we have to just keep that mindset and be like, oh, yay, McGregor time, party! And then we're just going to go lose it like Habib is right over there every goddamn away game we have. You got to keep the pace. We always score big in our biggest wins. We have, like, on average, like, what, three, four goal deficits every time almost? If not, maybe two? That's still a good deficit. And we can't keep on pounding the pace. You know, Coyle's inconsistent. Ha, uh, you know, Halak is, I don't know if it's more Halak's fault or the defense's fault. Because everyone's been yanking at Chara, you know, like, is he going to get thrown out? Is Ross going to get thrown out? I don't know. Just get it together, Bruins. You thing, pound the puck well. Like you said about, like, the whole Chara and Rask thing. I think that's, that, I feel like they're, like, the two little kids on the playground. Once something goes wrong, everybody just picks on them, you know? I feel like they're just kind of the easy target to be picked on, but um, I don't think it's their fault. Of course, you know, Hawk is nowhere to the level that Rask is, but it's like it's kind of the same thing with the Celtics. Like, it's early in the season, but they got to get it figured out because playoffs, you know, you can't be giving a game up like that in the playoffs. You know, you only got seven games. You need to win four of them. You, know, you can't give up leads like that when it really matters. I'll tell you what the problem was. Uh, the pace, that's a big problem. But even worse is that I think the Bruins got a little too cocky. They had their first three goals all in the first period and then just didn't – they decided not to play hockey for the next two. I mean, um, literally 15 minutes in and already th- up 3 nothing, and they let up a goal. Then uh, second period, um, a couple seconds left. They get a – or excuse me, right at the beginning of the period, they get another – Penguins get a goal and then they score uh, two more in the third third period. And it's like when that happens, you guys got to like play de- – either you know play better defense – or score more goals. You guys have 37 shots, and you only get three of them in. Meanwhile, on the other end, there's 22 shots. So when I look at it like that, I'm like, damn. You know, maybe that is more Halak's fault. Defense only let up 22 shots in the game where they had 37 on the other end. Like, you got to look at that and be like, yo, that's kind of the goaltender's fault. I mean, 22 shots, and you're going to let up four goals on that. I mean, you should be letting up maybe two at that because that's like, you know, 11 saves between them. But still, I don't know. It's kind of just embarrassing because this team's up 3 nothing, and then they come back and choke it. Like, you know, it's just oh, so embarrassing. It's just so disappointing. 
here's the thing about it. I like to believe that Cassidy puts Halak out there because Halak is actually already in the making a very... I want to say becoming already a solid, sta- a solid stand-up starter. Because if they, weren't pl- if they weren't playing Halak this much, Rask is still getting relied on, then there's no point to even discuss him. Now he's gained the popularity because of the fact he was able to hold his own and keep his home, his rock, his net clean. A lot of times, if not as clean as possible. So I believe in Halak. I believe in our defense. But something's got to give, at least in terms of Cassidy pulling the plug on something and then restarting with a brand new strategy. Because if we can keep pounding the puck at home, there's got to be something. I don't know if Modern Warfare has come into every away game and they're putting like, uh, what do they call that? Uh, that not pneumonia, an, an, an ammonia or something oh, like, like they're the putting mustard. like white. Yeah, they're putting like mustard gas out there or something. Like <laughs> I don't know. Like I don't know what's going on here. I don't know. Like it, it's it's ridiculous. It's like you know what we are. We're Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde right now. We want to be just. <laughs> Either just Jekyll because we're that damn good or Hyde because we're that damn mean. Because we're one of the OG's towns. We just had games four and five last year taken away from us for some bullshit no calls. And we were playing hurt. And we let go of some good players. So I want to be able to finish strong considering the good start of the season we had. It's halfway to the season. We have 12 overtime losses. We can't get one OT win. What? Because Islanders lost? Fuck the Islanders! They're nothing! Jesus, man. We gotta pull it together. We gotta pull it together. My whole thing on Halak is, I've been saying this since, um, you know, playoffs last year with Bruins, is Halak's the key point in the whole Bruins because Rask, Rask, I'm sorry, like, Rask, you know, say what you want about how good he is, but he's only good if someone's behind him that can take his spot. Like, I've seen that in previous years. And, you know, Halak is good because, you know, if... Rass starts to slip off a little bit, and he starts to get bad. Halak comes in, and then then Rass's play gets elevated because of that. So that my I'm, I'm a big Halak fan, but I'm just saying like, yo, 22 goals and you let you know four of them in. Like, come on, you got to get some saves. The other thing we have to remember though is Halak's a backup, and it, it, he's probably one of the best backups in the league. Like Mezzi, remember when we had Dobin and we had to rely on that guy when when Rass or Thomas couldn't play? Like, just you, you got to think about that. You know, just kind of take take what take what we're getting here. Like with with Halak, and just kind of understand that he's a backup, and it's, it is what it is. You gotta wait for Rask to get healthy. I said it just now. He's Halak is worthy to be in the net. I personally have no problems with Halak. Is this what his first year now with us, uh, proving himself out there in the standing, uh, like a starting lineup? Yeah, because la- I mean, last year he he played like a you know a total backup role, but now yeah, he's getting his time to shine now that Rask was injured. So yeah, right and. and Honest to God, even though we've had some losses, I still try to avoid blaming Halak because I can't fault the guy because he's starting to feel the pressure now as a starting goalie. Everyone's going to pay their dues at some point. Every player does. You know, like Tom Brady even did. He was uh, he was pick, what, 199 before yeah. realizing Bledsoe's injury is yeah. going to star spring, star spring him? Yeah. So just get it together, bro. It's just I don't care who's in net. you got to keep the pace up. we got Coyle. Bergy, Pasta, you know, like all these good players that have produced some of the best goals. And then you got, even though Chara can't even play defense, that sometimes, fine. He's still one of the scariest enforcers in the NHL today. Bar none. We got a rough and tough team that can score. We just got to keep putting the pace in the red. 
just got to keep doing that. So one uh, thing to, I want to add real quick though, the whole Vrask injury. I don't know how that like, like the NHL doesn't come out and say something, or even like that was not called. The guy literally elbowed Rask, and he just got away with it. And the other thing too is worse than that. Whether the NHL or penalty, you know, whatever that doesn't happen. Whatever can't control that. But the fact that none of our players went over and started a fight with them, they just sat there, and then they're like, "Oh, Rask is on the ground. What happened?" And it's like you guys can't go over. Like that would have never happened. Never happened ten years ago. Never. That that was uh, the one that was the one thing that got me so mad. Regardless of like, I thought the you know maybe not the NHL, but it should have been called. But you know whatever, it wasn't called whatever. But the fact that none of the players went over, even just put their nose right in the guy's face and was like, "Hey, I saw that. You know, you better watch it." You know, and then, you know a fight broke out later on, but they didn't even do anything. It it that's why I mentioned the refs earlier, man. Like it, it's almost like they realize they're not going to get anywhere except. You know, like if they if they just pulled the plug and then just went out and went pure like old school Philly style. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it's just it's it's just ridiculous. It's it's all a coin flip on who's to blame here. That's that's the scary part about it. So we'll see what happens. We're still we're still 28, 10, and 12. I mean, we still got very good standing in the league. And anyone who denies our greatness now. Last year, or the past few years, or even this past decade before 2020 even came on. You're a fucking moron. That's it. Bruins! So, uh, moving on to our last topic, but certainly not least, we had UFC 246 last night. And all 40 seconds of it. Uh, I just want to get your guys' take on this. Like, uh, I was able to watch the fight, but I want to see like what your guys' take on the fight is, and uh, if what your guys take on wrestling being pay, or wrestling, uh, uh, bar, uh, MMA being pay per view? So uh, you go first, Kami, because I'm not really much of a UFC guy. Oh, are you sure? Yeah, yeah, you can. All you, all you, buddy. All right, all right. So for those who don't know, if uh, just man, just you, you ignorant, you, you ignorant, Mrs. Come here. Listen, I state experience. This does not mean I can kick anyone's ass, nor do I like fighting. So if you think you got big balls, just save them in your pocket for the girl you wish you had. <laughs> got that? Okay, good. So my current experience in terms of my history of fighting, because I've fought before various tiles, and I've learned and slightly, for a little bit, taught martial arts before in my life. So I've been around cages. I've been around rings. I've been around the mat. I've rolled around on the mat before. Was I the best? No. But I know with my experience how this went down. Cowboy, just as not before I actually even go to the main event, Holly Holm had a good victory. She kept up with Raquel Pennington up on the, um, up on the cage. The stupid ref didn't let them go when there was no action gone for like a whole minute or so, four minutes, which was ridiculous. The other fights, like Maurice Green to Alexi Olenek, Maurice fought hard, but he couldn't even hold a choke at near the end. They were both tired, and Olenek just got the best of them. Um, Forgive me for the other fights. Uh, there was another woman, a female fight that was good. Oh, uh, the one where the best. it was uh, Roxanne. Uh, uh, Roxanne Mordaffery and uh, Ray Macy something. Yeah, uh, yeah. Mordaffery is a is a well known fighter. She's obviously great. Uh, I wish that I, I was a little weirded out by the doctor with the knee thing though. Even though yeah. she's gonna get it checked, I hope everything's all well with all of them. But think, but that being do you said, think they yeah, called it there. You know, you can't. Mr. Human MRIs, like, oh, you got a torn, partially torn ACL. Like, do you, should they have called it? 
it's hard to tell in my opinion because a doctor has got a lot of good medical staff but uh, i mean medical intelligence but at the same time there's adrenaline that kicks in they barely even the fighters even notice it at times which can put them at risk even further that the doctor just calls it like then and there uh i i've been in a situation where i uh, i fractured two of my fingers before and i still wanted to keep on going i didn't even notice it till i took off the glove and then my middle finger literally couldn't move like about this this much so, you know, it, it's a tough call. You know, it's a tough call. I, it, the doc could have been a little more precise, in my opinion, but that's all up. Uh, that's all hearsay, in my opinion. But she put up a damn good fight, though. Like, she had that cut and then the knee thing. Like, just it, it, kudos to her. Like, crazy, man. Very, very good fighting. Very good fighting all throughout. Um, having said all of that, the Cowboy Cerrone versus McGregor fight. Now, I am a, I, I respect Habib. And I've said my piece about Habib being a snake at the end, but I just want to make it clear. I love Habib's style. I love Habib as a fighter. I love Connor too. You know, like I think Connor was very dirty in what how he went about that stuff. And then I think Habib was also dirty. Both let their personal dirty laundry out and they duped it out. In the end, Habib did that. Having said all that, I still remain a Connor fan. As much crap as he's done, I hope he turned a new leaf for the better. Cause it showed in this Cerrone fight. Cowboy was already at a disadvantage. Not his age, not his strength, nothing. Cowboy, one of his best arsenals other than his wrestling is his leg kicks. He has consistent, if not very powerful leg kicks. Conor McGregor already has a scorpion kick, long-range kicks, would reach both legs and arms in his arsenal, and then he's already going to be going at you with the striking, even though he's got decent defense in jiu-jitsu. Because last fight against Habib in his loss, Habib had to work very hard trying to get his way on the mat. Having said all that, Cowboy couldn't get to his legs. Cowboy had to get him on the ground. He decided in multiple interviews, especially one in particular on first take, where he decided, I'm going to basically go for Conor at what he's good at. Not that he couldn't, but he would be at a very big disadvantage. Having said all that, 40 seconds. But, but for Cerrone to win that fight, he needed to get Connor on the ground. And, you know, it kind of seemed like Connor knew that because he came out, you know, guns blazing. Like, you don't break so you He broke the guy's nose with the shoulder, and then he beat him with the at his own game with the, with the kick. Like, that's what really got him. I think he could have kept going with the uh, after the broken nose, but the kick really got him. But uh, do, do you think we could see a rematch? Uh, against Cowboy, I wish him all the best in his career, but I highly doubt it. The first match I'm going to definitely see beforehand, Masvidal or Kamaru Usman, or maybe even another Nate Diaz, even though I doubt it's going to happen. Even though Nate and Connor would be a great fight, I don't want to see another fight. And I doubt a lot of other people would see it, because the trilogy has already been decided. Could you see McGregor versus a guy like John Jones? The, the, uh, am, I, am I saying that right? The... John Bones Jones, that's a light heavyweight versus a natural. F- <laughs> he's already in welterweight and he's kind of climbing up, man. Light heavyweight is another story, man. I could see McGregor fighting John, but at the same time, it would be a much, much needed climb with a lot of focus and stuff and a lot of weight gain. I doubt Connor would have that in him for in terms of his stamina because he's already had problems in the past against Diaz, against Habib, with his stamina. Imagine trying to go up against John Bones Jones, where he's comfortably a light heavyweight. I highly doubt that fight would even exist. Mm -hmm. Um, I could see him going back down 
and either going back to Kamaru or even uh, Habib again. Or, hell, if they really want to, get another Floyd mega fight or get Pacquiao in there. Hey, I, I, I did, I did see something about that, like, like the, the possibility of having that fight, the Mayweather-McGregor um, fight again. But um, do you think Habib could go up, would go up and uh, fight at welterweight? I think Habib gives no fucks, and he would definitely just sit comfortable. I still doubt the validity of him consistently doing fights for the simple fact that his injury list has been clear. I think Habib had a little bit of luck, as much as Conor had luck defending himself against such a man. With that said, I doubt that there would not be a rematch between those two. Especially considering it's only one fought match, and it was a long one. I would love to see the new Connor fight Habib, regardless of who I'd vote for. That's a match of the decade, waiting to happen right there. Title or no title. What's your opinion on the whole, like, both of you guys here, the pay-per-view thing? Do, do you think it's, a good, it's good for the sport, or do you think they should kind of go back? Because I enjoyed watching the prelims on uh, the, the pre-cards on uh, ESPN and then they switched to ESPN Pro uh, Plus and they had the paid pre-cards in the main event but do you think uh, UFC and uh, boxing for that matter should go uh, just regular television so I was going to say this real quick so I don't follow UFC last night like tuned in for the first time to watch a UFC match um, <laughs> let me just say this though I don't I'm not a big wrestling guy um that was, I mean, thankfully, you know, put this under the table, but I found a, I found a stream, so I didn't pay the 100 bucks to watch it, or I didn't pay the 5 bucks for ESPN+. Plus. That's okay, but, I did too, it's fine. You monster! <laughs> someone, someone in RTW found it, I won't, won't name who, but shout out to them. Um, but no, look, if anyone paid 100 bucks out there, or paid 10 bucks or whatever to go see it at a bar... I'm sorry, that was awful. 40 seconds. I, I was, like, watching, and they were showing the clips and the people, you know, the commentators, and then they went into the, the octagon, and I was like, oh, damn. I'm kind of hyped. And then all of a sudden, Conor McGregor just took the guy and, you know, right in the shoulder, banged him right, right up there, and then it was over. And I was like, that's it? I thought it was like, like, my experience was like wrestling. It was like, okay, you won that round, now you go to this round. And you had to win a best of three rounds, and they just ended it. And I was like, what happened? And then... Messi was like, oh, it's over, it's over. He's in the chat. I was like, it's over? <laughs> That's it? <laughs> so, we're going back to the whole pay thing. If you paid 100 bucks to watch 40 seconds of a fight, <laughs> oh, my God. I'm sorry. That's awful. That, that should be, like, that should be like nationally on television. Like, that should be up there with national, like, televised games. Not paying 100 bucks to sit on your couch and watch it. You should, you should be paying 100 bucks to go to the actual stadium and see it live. Lots of... Oh my god, that's awful. Well, that's how they make their money, bud. And I'll that's tell you awful. one thing. You gotta understand, I said it before and I'll say it again. Connor coming back, plus Cowboy being a legend, obviously they were gonna jack up the price. But even myself, I was actually shocked. A hundred dollars for pay-per-view. <laughs> honestly, honestly, even with the forty seconds, I could see myself doing pay-per-view for no more than like seventy-five. 60 bucks honestly because you gotta take it in consideration like you got the prelims holly holm is big box office right then and there in terms of the the, the straw weight division i believe it's called I, I get the female weights mixed up but her division is she's already a cod puller because of the fact that she has the one thing that other women 
don't have, especially in the future. She's the first one to actually break Ronda Rousey. Whether what whatever happened with her afterwards, that's beside the point. She was the one that started it. So she's already going to be a big pull then and there. So anyone could justify it somewhat being hurt by going up there, even though she's third ranked only against a number five. Now, Connor, Connor always brings big bucks. It's, it's guaranteed a good fight. Not just because of his name. He's actually a very good, well-balanced fighter. He's not... Hmm. I'd say he's one of the better strikers, but he's definitely not the best wrestler. So I'd say he's a better, well... He's a very good pound-for-pound fighter, I'll call that. You know, so that's already big box office, but I'd still only pay... 80, 75, 65 bucks for it. I mean, the $100, it was a little bit over too much. But I mean, also, yeah, this little... you, like you said, and you are getting like the prelims, too. You're not just getting one fight for 60 bucks. Yeah, it was like a five, four, including Connor's fight. It was like, what, a five fight cut? Yeah. yeah. And like, I mean, I'll say this, though. That ESPN Plus deal, especially with the whole Disney Plus thing, that's not a bad deal at all. Like, especially if you already have ESPN Plus, like, that's not bad at all. And I'm sure you could have done some free trial to get it for free or whatever. But um, I do want to go back to the whole, um, like, pay-per-view stuff. I don't know, like, the 75, 60 bucks, whatever, for, like, most people only wanted to go see the, the main card. Is that what it's called? The main event? I don't know. Like, they only want to see the McGregor fight. So, I mean, like, if you're a diehard wrestling fan, like, I assume you are, Mezzi. Like, you know, that's, like, your thing. And you saw, like, five events. Like, that's cool. That's, that's worth it. But for me, I would only have... I would have bought it and then just turned on it like midnight for the McGregor fight. I wouldn't have watched anything else. So it's, yeah. it's just, yeah, I don't know how that's it is. You see, that's where I came in and tried to give you a little bit of leeway here because personally, th- there is that casual fighter that is good. Even if you were rich, like even if you're a rich guy, right? You're if you're like the likes in terms of fame and richness, or like a Tom Brady or like any of the other UFC fighters that were there in attendance, the actors like Matthew McConaughey, you know, all or those Green cats. Runs deep. Sorry, or Green Runs Deep, he was there. Even GRD was there. Hey, <laughs> fuck it, GRD. <laughs> Shout out to GRD, by the way. He's a swoop dude. If you want to be a GRD and go in there, and then you just go for it, like. Of course, he's going to likely or she's going to likely be a drunk head who just wants to see an explosive knockout like M- McGregor and Masvidal and John Jones have done in the past. So, yeah, some people are going to be shocked. But you got to understand, this is a martial art. I went through it all. There's a, it, the whole, you know, feeling of it. And even if it's just boxing, even when you go there for boxing, as unpopular as it's starting to be right now, which is a shame, you, you know, it's just. It's just that it's a martial art. It's an action. It's a combat sport. You came in there to see someone go a potential distance or not. Like, you know, anything could happen. Habib could have easily took McGregor and just did some kind of choke and tried to be a lot more aggressive, a lot more pounding and risk his uh, endurance trying to get that easy choke and be even big, even bigger dick than he was before. Just from a three round fight. He already has the biggest dick ever, technically, because he won that big heated mess. Connor, he knocked out Jose Aldo, Jose Aldo in 13 seconds. He was the one of the best pound-for-pound pound champions of all time. And then at the same token, he taps out to Nate Diaz. The Diaz brothers are two of the, the stupid good, like, rocky people. Like, they... They can have a defense, but they barely do. They just go at it. 
They just go at it because they're that big dicked in themselves because they proved it with their martial arts. It's, it's whatever you got, man. It's whatever you get is whatever you get. It's big box office powers. And if you have a striker in there, your best bet, he's going to take that 40-second or 13-second any day. Not just like a right any fighter. Strikers, purely Conor McGregor. He will want to strike and get the fuck out of there. Go out like Muhammad Ali. And then do that Vince McMahon billionaire strut that he stole. So you never know what happens. Yeah, I thought that was funny when they had like the whole thing before the fight. He's like, this is my walk. I created the walk. And it's like, no, you didn't. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And after that, he goes in. And any one of these multi fools. Look at that stupid bitch! Shoot! Yeah, yeah he's, he's, call, he's calling out the uh, commentator, because I guess he was training for the fight, and, you know. But, uh, you know, it's good to see. I, good I like, fighter, uh, too. I like, he had I like some balls. He, he called out Kamaru, he called out Masvidal, he called out desk guy, Soko. Oh, no, man. That was a, that was a very interesting. That was very McGregor-like, and we're going to see more from him. I know that for a fact. All right, before we end this episode, anything else you guys would like to add? Uh, Celtics will beat the Lakers tomorrow. Mark my word. Just throwing that out there real quick. Lakers will go home crying. LeBron crying all the way back to the plane. All the way to Springfield. Kaden, what are you doing tomorrow? I'm going to the Hoopball Classic, so I'll see Bronny be playing. And uh, I could see LeBron pull up because their game's at 7. Bronny's game's at, like, 11.30. So they got time in between. I'll have Red Wave Story covered. And uh, I'll be there pretty much all day. So if I see Bronny or LeBron, you'll see it on Red Wave Story. So and, uh, don't forget to follow uh, Boston Sports Center six one seven as well as Puckheads. Uh, Kamezi, you have uh, a Twitch. Do you want to plug that real quick? Sure. Every once in a while, I play some games that are usually family friendly or not. Depends on what you see. Twitch.tv slash KMEZZI, just like my Insta. And this is all from Ride the Way Media's crew. So I appreciate you guys letting me be a guest here. And thank you so much for letting me join. Appreciate it, man. Great episode. Hey, you know, James isn't here today. I'm right here, man. But right on, boys. Right on.